You're listening to Stand Out Get Noticed, episode 175. Hi there, Rockstar, and welcome to Stand Out Get Noticed. I hope you're having an amazing day. I'm Christina Cantors, speaker, coach, and founder of The C Method, where I help high-performing professionals and business leaders have more confidence, influence, and impact in the workplace through building powerful communication skills. Each week on this podcast, we address a different topic to help you build a success mindset, speak with confidence, build strong relationships, and be an all-around better human, really. Join our community over on Facebook if you haven't yet already. Search for the group The C Method Rockstars or go to thecmethod.com slash community. We cannot wait to meet you. All links mentioned in this episode, including the show notes, are in the podcast description in your app. Now, today's podcast is all about language. And I was prompted to do a show about this from a conversation I had recently with a mortgage broker. Now, I'm growing up, I'm doing grown-up things with my partner, Aaron, and we're looking to buy a house. And I know very little about the whole process of getting a loan. And we were speaking to a very uh, intelligent and experienced mortgage broker, and she was explaining to us um, the process that we had to go through. And I noticed one word that she kept using over and over, and it was the word obviously. So as she was speaking to us, she would say, okay, well, obviously we would need to get this from you and then to apply from the, for the loan. Obviously the banks are going to need this. And if you wanted to do that instead, well, obviously this would need to happen. And as she kept using that word, obviously, I couldn't help but think to myself, but it's, it's actually not obvious to me. It, should it be? Is this common knowledge? Should I, should I know this? Am I stupid and naive for not knowing all this stuff? Because why otherwise would you say, well, it's all obvious? You know, obviously you should know this. That was the implied message behind what she was saying. And I, I was so close to saying, you know, would you actually mind not saying the word obvious? Because it's actually not that obvious to us. It might be obvious to you as an expert and a professional, but for newbies, it's, not, it's really not obvious. Now, I didn't say that, um, but I'm thinking, I don't know, if we chat again, Maybe I will, because feedback's really important. But my point is, the language that we use every day has the power to actually change the way people respond and react to us. So I'm not sure how, like, how much thought do you give to the language used when you speak? I'll give you an, I'll give you an example. So, in terms of how language can change the way we respond. If I were to say to you, if we were having a chat and I said to you, you must be mistaken. Or if I said, you're wrong. Or if I said, you're lying. Have a think about how those different words would impact you and how you would respond. You know, I'm saying similar things, but all I'm doing is changing my language. So the language we use, it can impact the way we think about ourselves and it can impact the way other people perceive us and how they respond to us. Now, the thing with language is that we have been using language since we could speak, right? Since we were very, very little. And the language we use forms patterns. 
And the, the small words or phrases that we habitually use may not seem to be anything to worry about in the moment, but over time, they can pose a major problem in how, you know, how we're perceived or how we think about ourselves. Muhammad Ali has a great quote about this. He said, it's not the mountain we climb that wears us out. It's the pebble in our shoes. So today we're going to look at seven, was it seven? Seven common language patterns to avoid when speaking. I'll share with you what they are, the reasons why we use such language, and what new language patterns you can replace them with. So I want to be helpful. I want to share with you some things you can do instead of just saying, don't say this. So my goal for you is to leave my goal for you for this episode is to leave you uh, being more aware of the language you use day to day and to pick one pattern to focus on and start replacing that with new language that serves you and helps you to have more influence and confidence when you speak. And these, and this could apply to uh, when you're public speaking and also when you're, say, running a meeting or having everyday business conversations. Show notes for this episode will be at thecmethod.com slash 175. Please note there's a construction site next to my building and they are making some very loud banging sounds. So if you hear some weird noises throughout this show, please don't be alarmed. My house isn't getting bombed. It's just the construction happening next door. Cheers. The first language pattern that I encourage you to be more aware of are the filler words. So what do we talk about when we say filler words? Ums, ahs, sos, which I do tend to use, like, like you know, like, you know, you know, and, as in and the word. When we finish a sentence, instead of finishing it, we just say and and we keep on going. Now, why do we do this? Why do we use filler words? A few reasons. A big one is that we are afraid of silence. Feeling awkward yet? See, that's what happens when we don't say, um, especially when public speaking, speakers often feel that they have to fill in all the words because when they leave a little section of silence, it's just this really awkward moment where everyone's staring at them, waiting for them to say something next. So they fill things in with, um, uh, yep, so I'm going to talk about this now and, uh, and then this one and, uh, when in reality, it distracts from what you're saying and it doesn't actually allow what you've said to sink in. When I first started my public speaking journey, I had someone film me. Well, I went to a course and they, they forced, you know, everyone to be filmed and watched, I had to do a two minute talk about myself. And when I watched it back, I realized that I ummed about 12 times in that two minutes. And it was only then when I saw that, that I realized, oh my goodness, I say, um, a lot. And it was only there from there that I was able to then change the way, well, to be aware that I was saying, um, and to simply pause when I felt an um coming on. So my challenge for you is to next time you're speaking, get someone to film you and see what filler words you use. Do you use, um, do you use like, do you use, you know, and once you become aware, you can start to be more conscious of how you speak and then pause when you feel an um coming on. And the thing with this is great. Is the, the great thing is that you can practice this in day-to-day conversations. So even if you're having a 
casual conversation with someone. Be aware of what filler words you use. Moving on. Okay, the next number two, the second language pattern to avoid are poor expressions. These include kind of, sort of, pretty much, basically, and really. So a lot of people I notice will say, well, this is kind of like this, or I sort of feel that this, or some people start every single sentence with basically. Basically, what you're looking at here is this. Basically, our idea is this. What we've decided to do is basically to, and these words mean absolutely nothing and they water down what your message is. A lot of people, I mean, in the C method rock stars, a lot of people have written in there, well, when they joined the group, they wrote to me and said that they want to be able to communicate crisply and clearly and get their message across in a succinct way. Now, if you want to do this, you must eradicate your filler words like kind of, sort of, basically, really. For example, I really want to talk about this. It's like you really want to or you you, you want to. It actually doesn't add anything to it. So be aware. See, there's another filler word I just did. See, none of us are perfect. It takes time, people. Takes time. Language pattern number three. Doubting words. Now, these words include, or phrases include, I guess, I suppose, and I think. So when people are answering a question, they'll say, well, I guess it's this, or, well, I suppose this. And why do we do this? It's often because we, I call them doubting words, because we are doubting ourselves. We are doubting our own ideas and thoughts. So if we put a I guess in front of it, it then means that we're going to be less likely to be criticized. Because if someone says, well, I don't agree with that, then you're then in your mind you're like, oh well I just said I, I guess. Like I'm only guessing. I don't, I don't I don't know it. You know, I I suppose this could work. And that protects us. It protects us. So it can stem from this fear of criticism. It's also like we're asking for permission. When someone asks you for an idea, what do you think? If you say, oh, I guess it's this, it's like we're saying, is it okay that I speak? Is it okay that I share my ideas? Well, I, I, I guess we could do this, I, I, I suppose. Something you can do instead, so what you can do instead, is to say, well, from my experience, I found this. So it's less about, oh, I guess it's this, you're actually using clear facts and stories. So you can use an example. You can say, well, in the past, this is what we did. So from that experience, my recommendation would be this. Does that make sense? And it sounds much more confident. And you're not bragging. You're not saying, well, I know everything and my idea is the best. You're simply saying, from my experience, this is what worked. And that's what that's why I'm suggesting, well, this is why I suggest or recommend this. So stop doubting yourself. I have people, a lot of people in the C Method Rockstars Facebook group have also written to me and said that I doubt myself, I doubt what I'm saying. The more and more you say words like, I guess, or I suppose, that's going to tell yourself, it's telling your subconscious brain that you are guessing yourself and that you are doubting yourself. So change, if you can change your language, remove those words and start saying, 
I know, you know, I, I know this based off my experience. You got this, Rockstar. You got this. Okay, let's move on. Language uh, patterns to avoid number four. Belittling words. Mm, these are some of my favorites. These include words like just, only, and little. For example, oh, I'm, 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 just, I'm just a small business. Or, oh, I'm only new here. I've, I've, I've only been here for a year. Oh, I, I just have a small team. Oh, I, I just have a little podcast. It's just a little podcast. I'm just an assistant. I'm just a, I'm, I'm only junior. I've only been here for, for a couple months. So language like this, where we belittle ourselves and we talk ourselves down, is going to erode our confidence over time. Why do we do it? Often because we don't want to se- seem like we're talking ourselves up. We don't want to sound like, oh, yes, I am, you know, I've been here a year and I know everything. That's, that might be one reason why, uh, why you may find that you're doing it. It's also another, it gives us an excuse for maybe making a mistake, right? Messing up. Cause if it's like, oh, I made a mistake. Oh, but I've only been here a month. I'm only new. Oh, I just have a little business and that's why. I don't have a huge social media following, whatever that is, okay? So it does act to protect us as well. But it also makes us sound like we don't do anything important. Oh, I just do this. Oh, it's just a little thing. Oh, I just put together this little report. Oh, I just put together this little video. No, what you've done, this is undervaluing what you do. And if you suffer from this, then I recommend you go and listen to my podcast about knowing and speaking your value. And I'll link that up in the show notes. So go and listen to that. I've actually had people say this to me or say this about me, which gets me really mad. It hasn't happened recently, but I've had people say, oh, this is Christina. Christina has a little podcast. Or, hey, Christina, how's your little podcast going? And I would get so mad because I'm like, what do you mean little podcast? Do you know how much time and effort goes into this podcast? It takes a long time. And so what if it's a new podcast? It's new. And so what if I've got a small audience? It's an audience and they love the podcast, right? So it doesn't matter how small or how, you know, physically little or or a short amount of time or whatever it is that you've been doing something, don't belittle yourself and the work you do. Do not undervalue the work that you do. On that note, I have had people say, like, introduce me to other people and say, this is Christina. She has an awesome podcast and that's much better. So anyway, I just wanted to share that. Um, Thank you to everyone who says I have an awesome podcast. I really appreciate it. Okay, so up until this point, we have shared four language patterns to avoid when you speak. Before we get to the second half of this podcast, let's take a quick break because I have something I really want to share with you. have some very exciting news, Rockstar. I have set a goal for this podcast to hit 1 million downloads by the end of the year. And we're currently at 685,000. Now, I'm not crazy about tracking my stats, 
I mean, for me, the stories and the feedback from you sharing how this podcast has impacted you is all I need. So I'm definitely not like, all I need is stats. That's not what I'm about. Having said that, I feel like we're so close to 1 million downloads. I thought, why not set an ambitious goal? And to get there, I would really appreciate your help. If you haven't yet subscribed, please subscribe because that adds to the downloads and you can tell one friend or colleague about it. Say to them, hey, I've been listening to this awesome podcast. It's called Stand Out, Get Noticed. You should totally subscribe. And if they have their phone on them, I mean, of course they have their phone on them, offer to show them. Go, hey, here, I'll show you. And then you can just find my podcast in there and help them to subscribe because maybe they've never listened to a podcast before. So be a good friend and show them how. One million downloads, goal, end of the year. We can totally do this. We'd love your help. Thank you so much. Okay, let's get back into our language patterns. The next one I want to share with you is about jargon, acronyms, and complex sentences. Mmm, good old jargon. Why do we use jargon? Oftentimes because it's become normalized or we're just trying to sound really smart. Maybe we're surrounded by other industry experts and we think to ourselves, oh, I have to use fancy language, otherwise they're going to think that I'm silly and not experienced. Unfortunately, when we do get used to speaking in jargon, it means that we aren't clear and we aren't concise and people find it hard to understand us, okay? Now, this might be different if it is, let's say, if you're speaking at an industry event and people are going to be using jargon no matter, you know, anyway, but it's good to, it's a, it's a great practice to get into to be able to speak and explain what you do in simple language. Now, one of my favorite pieces of writing is an essay by George Orwell, and it's called Politics and the English Language. And I want to share an example, uh, an excerpt from the book. So to quote, to quote George Orwell, and he, he, he translates a, a simple passage of text into convoluted modern day speak, or modern for his time anyway. Uh, okay, so I, to quote George Orwell, I'm going to translate a passage of good English into modern English of the worst sort. Here is a well-known verse from Ecclesiastes. I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favour to men of skill, but time and chance happeneth to them all. Here it is in modern English. Objective considerations of contemporary phenomena compel the conclusion that success or failure in competitive activities exhibits no tendency to be commensurate with innate capacity, but that a considerable element of the unpredictable must invariably be taken into account. End quote. I, I, I love this. I thought that this was hilarious. And a lot has, well... It, it, it's still very much – you'll see this still today in, in modern – well, in today's writing where people try to be really convoluted with the way they write because they want to sound smart and intelligent and well-read. And sometimes people will try and speak this way as well. And 
This is particularly relevant if you're writing a speech and you're writing all these big words and jargon, and then you go to say it, and it's actually very difficult to say. So how do we overcome this? Firstly, think about how you would explain this. Let's say you're explaining what you do. Think about how you would explain it to a 10-year-old. Simple language is okay. People will appreciate you've taken the time to explain it clearly. Remember, make it about your audience. How can you best create this message so that they can understand in a simple way without having to translate or decipher your jargon? In episode 44, so a very early episode of this show, it's called How to Suck Less at Explaining What You Do. I talk more about how you can explain you know, your work without using jargon. Check the show notes for that link. All right, moving on to the next language pattern, telling language. Telling language is used frequently in or by public speakers. When they start a speech, they'll say something like, today I'm going to talk about or I'm going to tell you about. And this is very much a me versus you. Like you're the teacher and the audience is your are your students. You're saying, I'm going to teach you this. I'm going to tell you that. And of course, I don't blame speakers for saying this because it's what we're used to hearing. When we were students in school, our teachers would say, this is what I'm going to teach you, right? We're told what we learn. It's telling language. We're used to teachers telling us what to do, bosses telling us what to do, our parents telling us what to do. But then when we present and when we use this language, today we're talking about, I want to tell you about this, there's people in the audience are going to go, no, you're not. You're not going to tell me anything. You're not going to teach me. Who, who do you think you are? And it can get the audience on the defensive, which is not what you want. Instead, think of your presentation as being more inclusive and a conversation. So you can say instead, hi, everyone. Today, we're going to explore or we're going to discuss or we're going to look at ways that we can all achieve this. Noticing I change the word I to we. Instead of saying, I'm going to tell you this, I'm going to show you this, it's we are going to do this. We are going to learn this. We're going to explore. I love that word, explore, because it's not even about you need to learn. It's it's more about, hey, we're going to explore this. Some concepts you might pick up, some you may not, doesn't matter, but we're exploring it together. What an exciting adventure. That's how it's coming across and it becomes much more inclusive. If you say to an audience, we're going to explore this together, people can't really say, no, we're not. It's like, well, yeah, we are because we're all here together and we're, we're, all, we're all in this together. Okay, so it becomes about the audience. That's a really simple thing that you can change in your language. So play with that, explore that. Explore different ways of of using that inclusive we language instead of I and you. Now, the final language pattern I'm going to share with you today to avoid is the apology. I don't know how many times you've seen this happen, but someone you'll see someone at work presenting, they'll put up a slide and they'll say, 
oh, I'm sorry you can't read that. It's really wordy, but I'll just explain it anyway. Or they'll say, oh, sorry about the diagram. That's really, really small. Or, oh, sorry about my croaky voice. I'm just coming down with a, with a cold. Other versions of apologies include, oh, I'm, uh, so I'm not a good speaker, um, but, I, you know, I've been asked to do this. Or saying things like, I'm really nervous. Or this is my first time doing this. Or I'm a bit sick. You know, I've heard numerous people say, oh, you'll have to excuse my voice. I'm, I'm getting over a cold. Why do we apologize? Well, firstly, I want to say, why, why do we, why do you feel the need to apologize? Oftentimes it can be, it's because we don't feel like we deserve to be there in the first place. It's almost like we're apologizing for taking up space. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm here. Um, you're giving all, you're giving me all your attention. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't want to waste your time. I hope that what I have to share is valuable. Please, please like me. Please don't criticize me. That's what our inner, inner thoughts are often doing. If that's you, re- remember that you were asked to speak. If you weren't asked to speak, maybe you volunteered, but you volunteered and someone said yes. Clearly, the people there believe that you deserve to be there. So you need to believe that you deserve to be there as well. Or maybe you're in a meeting and it's come around to your time to speak. That's your time. Own it. There is no need to apologize for being you, for being there. Secondly, when we apologize, when we apologize for being um, sick, right, it makes it, it's all about us. So it's saying, oh, I'm sick, you know, don't think bad thoughts about me. We're making it all about us. In reality, the audience doesn't give a damn if you're sick. All they're thinking is what's in it for me. So it's like you say, oh, I'm sick. Why is that important? Why should I even care? Make the presentation about your audience and think, okay, how am I going to make this as as amazing and informative and clear as possible for them? Is telling them that you're sick or getting over a cold going to help them? I don't think so. I absolutely do not think so. And then when people apologize for the wordy slide, it's like, well, why do you even have it there? If you have to apologize for something in your presentation, then that's a good indication to you that it should not be there in the first place. So this is more of a technical thing. You know, you've got to go through, check your slides, make sure that they're clear and, and, and not, you know, too crammed in, words too small, that sort of thing. You shouldn't have to apologize for anything that you, you put up there. On, oh, yeah, and, and the one where people say, oh, I'm really nervous, that, uh, look, a lot of the time people can't even tell you're nervous. Again, this comes from our that, that desire to, or, you know, that it covers us if we make a mistake. So, for example, you know, if we say, oh, this is my first time, so it's, it's like we're saying, oh, so if I mess up or if something doesn't quite work, then it's okay, you can't criticise me because I'm just new at this. There's that word again, I'm, ju- I'm just new, this is my first time, I'm really nervous, so please be nice, don't criticise me. Again, making it all about ourselves. Listen to my podcast about why you should stop making it all about you. That's a good one if you are dealing with this. Okay, so that finishes the seven 
language expressions and patterns to avoid when public speaking. And as you can hear, we're not all perfect. I use filler words. I will use poor expressions occasionally. And that's what happens. And I'll use the word just as well. But it happens, right? And the best thing we can do is to start being aware and to then work to uh, change those patterns. To recap, filler words, poor expressions, doubting words, belittling words, jargon, and telling language and apologies. Before we finish, I want to leave you with some honourable mentions of terrible public speaking phrases to avoid. Number one, hopefully this won't drag on too long. Number two, okay, I think I've bored you enough. Number three, thank you for coming. Oh, I want to, I feel like smashing someone with a champagne glass every time someone at like a wedding says, thanks everyone for coming. Let's think of something more uh, creative, everyone. Let's do that. People, you're probably thinking, man, Christina's really mad today. I'm not mad. I'm just passionate. Number four. Oh, I'm running out of time. So I just have to get, so I'll get through this really quickly. Again, this is kind of like a apology. It's like you should have known how to manage your time better in your presentation. And then finally, number five, to finish your presentation with, and that's it. Any questions? <laughs> Chances are probably none. Okay, well, I hope that you've enjoyed this episode and taken something away from it. If you can pick one of those language patterns, one that you feel you use more frequently than the others, then I encourage you to focus on that and to work on changing that for something to, to language that supports you. Next week's episode, I'm going to do again on language, but this is going to be more on the negative self-talk language. Okay. So when we say to ourselves, I can't, it's too hard. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm not good at that. The whole internal inner monologue thing is huge. So we're going to discuss that next week. We're going to explore that, that, that concept. And I'm confident that is going to help you to further eradicate your self doubt and your fear with, um, your fear about speaking with others. It's also going to help you to build more self inner confidence. That's what we want. Okay. If you haven't yet, join our community on Facebook. It's the group is called the C Method Rockstars because that's what you are. It's an amazing supportive group for people who want to further develop in their communication and speaking journey and be surrounded by other like-minded people too. Links are in the description of this podcast. And like I said at, um, in the break, do share this with a friend. Our goal is 1 million downloads by the end of the year, and I'm confident we can reach it, but we need your help. And that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today. Keep on being awesome, and I'll talk to you next week. My name's Christina Cantors, and this has been Stand Out, Get Noticed. Thank you for listening to Stand Out, Get Noticed. To learn more and inquire about the C-Method coaching, keynote and corporate training programs, visit thecmethod.com.